people just like you have taken the brave step to do this thing we call work differently. They tell their self-unlimited story to inspire and encourage you. Another story begins now. Today it's my great pleasure to be speaking with Catherine. Hi Catherine. Hi Helen. Catherine is somebody that I've known, I think it's probably about 15 years when our paths first crossed. And recently I sent her an email about something and lo and behold, I discovered she's retired. I'm like, what's going on? Which is when I thought I'm going to reach out and find out what's going on with Catherine. And she's not doing retirement, how people normally think about it. So I thought this would be a great conversation to have. So Catherine, tell me, what are you doing these days? Yes, well, my life has massively changed from the previous 25 years, 30 years of working. 2021 is very unique because my husband and I have retired. And what is retired? What does that mean to you? What that means to me is finally doing and focusing on my passions and what I've wanted to do all along in my life. I know everyone out there is horrified in my mid-50s that I've walked away from a, you know, a great career, but yep, here I am. So does that mean the things that you were doing before weren't connected to your passions? Oh, absolutely. I loved what I was doing before. I was in internets and digital workplaces. I was helping people. I was learning about digital solutions. I was keeping up to date with a new field that was you know, expanding in the world. Loved it. However, there's a point in time where there's other things you want to do as well. So is this a moment where you're thinking, okay, I could have just changed careers and, you know, gotten, gone down a path of working on a different career. What is it that retirement is different than just picking up a different career? Mm, that's a good question, Helen. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, I just, I didn't consider that. I think because I had the best job in the whole wide world, I couldn't see another job being what I needed at this stage of my life. So is this a situation where you are maybe taking more control over shaping what you're doing? Absolutely. I see the next 50 years of my life as being how I want to build it, how I want to run. It's not about what a client wants or a co-worker wants. It's about what I want and where I want to take myself. Because, I mean, I'm obsessed with learning. I'm a very curious person and, and I like to enjoy myself. And this is one of the things that fascinates me when I hear people talk about retirement as if you're retiring to some kind of, uh, I don't know, sit on a beach, get on the golf course. And it's like part of your brain and your ability and skills of things you've been doing for the past 20, 30, 40 years is just going to be sitting on a shelf somewhere and not be utilized, which is not what I think is what happening with you, Catherine. No, that's definitely not what's happening with us. Lots of things are going on, like my art, my creativity. But the big thing for me that's the work transition to the retirement transition is our new YouTube channel. Brilliant. Tell me more. So really what this is about is about bringing some passions together. So books. I've always been a big reader. I can remember as a kid, you know, Christmas time, birthdays, mum and dad would always give me a book. I was obsessed with books and simple things like, I don't know if you ever remember the Trixie Belden. I love Trixie Belden. I was a huge fan. I had like 34 of the books and it was only about a year ago that I gave them away to somebody. 
Yes. Well, she was a girl that was, you know, out there solving mysteries, you know, what from her crabapple farm. You know, it was real innocent stuff. I loved it. And so nowadays I still read constantly. I'm a big fan of historical fiction. I love being immersed in somewhere else like Japan or Italy and these big long sagas. I love it. The other thing that has been a passion in my life, well, my pre-pandemic life was travel. Yes. Okay, so I was always going somewhere. I remember my first ever trip overseas to London. What did I do? Straight to the British Museum. Had to see the Sutton Hoo helmet and the Rosetta Stone and things like that. You know, I've just constantly been doing those types of things. And my last trip just before the pandemic was to Provence. Wow. So nice. you're talking little villages, you're talking lavender fields, sunflowers, obsessive photos, selfies with sunflowers. Uh, I saw the Tour de France bike ride, go through a little village called Uzez, which is a medieval village. And so this is where retirement has led us. We've got books, we've got travel. And what I always did at the end of a trip was read stacks of books set in that area. So, for instance, after Provence, you know, Peter Mao's book, A Year in Provence, he's 25 years in Provence, all those types of books. And I used to write a blog post about the best of the books I read from that area. And why did you do that? I think it just extended the holiday for me. Mm. It just immersed me back in those streets and reminded me, oh, yeah, that's right. That's when we went to that little restaurant. That was like what we did. And it just extended that time away. It seems also too, you mentioned it before about your creativity, that that was an opportunity to express your creativity by writing it and capturing it in word. Yeah, and for me, I'm definitely not a writer. Okay. So that, that was a challenge in itself. A lot of people are natural writers, whereas I never have been. But I love getting my thoughts together. And a lot of what I did for work was chunking information into logical ways to share it. So that's sort of blended. And that's, you know, one thing that I learned in my last job was actually how I improved my writing because I had to do a lot more of it. And you went from writing in those blogs to now you're saying YouTube. Yeah. Read all the Provence books. I decided which ones I was going to do. And my husband says to me, why don't we make a video? And I'm like, okay. So we decide to make a video. So what does he do? He trashes the downstairs lounge room builds a set we break a leg on the dining room table that we've had for 50 years (laughs) and then I wrote a script and we recorded a video and sort of a new channel was born and when somebody's doing something like that sometimes people think yeah but why why make a video were you were you trying to become an influencer or were you going to sell this what was the motivation behind it yeah it's an interesting question there's no way I'm going to be an influencer or there's no way we're going to generate money out of YouTube, you know. (laughs) But it's just about the challenge of putting the information together in a package, delivering it in a way that's enjoyable for others and figuring out what visuals to add in, figuring out the length of things, just the challenge of creating it and delivering it. it. It's great. It sounds like it was a project that you worked on together. Definitely, definitely something we did together because um, I might read all the books and write the script, but all the production, high production values, the, you know, the lighting, the editing and all that, that's all Stephen. 
And was that the kinds of projects that you had worked on before or was this a new thing in this retirement era of your life? In the pandemic, we'd done one or two of the videos, but when you're working, you can't fit in that type of production. There's no way. Whereas since then, we've done, I think it's up to eight now, Tokyo, Berlin, Scotland. Yeah, it's it's really growing. This, I imagine, is new resources. You mentioned the trashing of the lounge. I'm imagining there was lights and microphones and things to, to learn and to acquire how to use. Absolutely. So my husband, by trade, is a photographer. So he's definitely got a lot of skills. But video in itself is quite different. So there's been lots of, you know, YouTube videos to learn things and lots of ordering online from the States and getting our bits and pieces together and, again, experimenting. And I think there's something important there in that notion of experimenting because this idea that you might still want to learn and still want to try new things. And I think back to maybe that old idea of retirement is, well, you're going to be walking around the golf course or sitting on a beach drinking cocktails, not actually putting together a studio in your lounge. Yeah, so you can you can do both in retirement. The difference from work to retirement is just deadlines. Hmm. So you don't have to like get this project in by Friday because the client's screaming at you. You can get this project in the Friday after and you can still go and have a cocktail if you choose. I like it. I don't generally choose a cocktail. I generally (laughs) choose something else. I'm a big tea drinker. Go for a walk with the dog. We do lots of other things like uh, we participate in citizen science projects. So one of the things we're doing at the moment in the local, we've got a lot of local bush here, is we're helping map native orchids and their locations. Wonderful. There's, There's plenty of things. So it's the variety as well. What is people's reaction to hearing you've retired? I mean, is that even a word you use? Yeah, I do. And people do not understand. People that know me, people that don't know me, they just nobody gets it. They just can't. They, what do you do all day long? Many people think you'd be bored. I'm waiting for that day. I will announce it to the world if it ever happens. Yeah, they just cannot comprehend it. And the people that know me and know how much I loved my job and, you know, I was travelling around Australia and a little bit of world travel, you know, I was doing a lot. They can't fathom how I could walk away from that. Is there something significantly different then in terms of how you approach your day? No, in reality, it's not. Get up, do my exercise. Do my digital project, do my emails, do my digital projects, go for a walk, do my afternoon projects. It's not really. We've had to create that routine and that's still not perfect and I think that'll evolve as retirement goes on. But, yeah, for me, it's, yeah, in lots of ways it's similar. But I don't have to go on the train and I get to set all my own deadlines. I think there's something significant when people step away from an organization, whether that's because they're in a situation of unemployment, which they don't want to be, or they're in a situation of freelancing, or they're in a situation of being self-employed, or they're in a situation of, and I'll do air quotes here, retirement, that you lose something in not being with an organization that you often didn't realize you had. 
to even lose in the first place. And a key element often of that is structure, a sense of, well, I, I have a time where I need to be somewhere and people will be expecting things of me. Another element is actually about the social connection of, you know, the people I talk to, people that I get ideas from. Where is it for you around that connection social aspect? Yes, the structure hasn't bothered me. Social, I'm okay, maybe because we came off the pandemic. But the thing that I have really missed is feedback. So when writing the script, do I include this historical fiction one or do I go with the memoir or do I go with this chiclet? You know, I'm used to having colleagues to bounce that off. I've had to create that. So I'm actually doing that now with some of my friends. But I I'm a little bit mindful because they're busy with work. I know how hard it used to be when you were working full time and trying to do everything. But people tend to enjoy uh, having time to just talk about something different and talk about, think about something different. So I've been tapping in uh, one of my particular friends. He's very good communicator and he's really helped and he knows me well. So he's helped me get away from what I think I should say to being more real Catherine. And that's been really powerful. But at first I struggled without that feedback from others. And I think there's something about that collegial relationship where it's both about feedback, but also just bouncing around and and seeing how people respond without even explicitly asking for feedback. There's just a sense of uh, you're not speaking to the wall and wondering you know what the wall's going to say something you're you're speaking with other people and for me i had to be very mindful of thinking about what was i getting from those relationships and how might i recreate them and even just sometimes from that point of feeling like i belong somewhere just having that sense of affiliation and connection to the broader world of what was other people were talking about because I'm an extrovert, all my friends keep saying, aren't you going insane not being with people? And like, no, maybe it hasn't hit me yet. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the pandemic prepared me for that. But I just feel like my horizons have actually broadened because I have more time to tap into other creative people that I just couldn't do beforehand. So at the moment, I'm satisfied and I'm part of the world community. Does that mean you're making new connections with people? Yes, I wouldn't say they were strong connections, but I have people who I respect, are interested in, are following and learning from. You mentioned that you are looking ahead for the next 50 years. What is in that horizon for the next 50 years? And how far are you willing to look ahead? 50 years is is really what is in my mind. That might be a bit ambitious. Okay. <laughs> so uh, this year is about not putting any pressure on myself, not taking on a whole lot of new things, is figuring out where I want to be and where we want to be for the first year. Now, I don't think we're going to solve it all in the first year because yep. life's never solved. You continually learn, you continually evolve fingers crossed. So I think, yeah, in my mind, I'm looking about how do I want the rest of my life to look? You know, we've worked hard to get ourselves to this position. So now we need to reap the benefits of that. And for me, it's a mix of creativity, social, and just being able to do what, you know, sit in the backyard and have a cup of tea and read a few pages of your book. 
it's getting the balance of that right. I, I look at my older relatives and I really understand that keeping active is going to be a big part of a healthy and happy retirement. And I think that active is an interesting choice of words. I read, sorry, listened recently on an Elizabeth Gilbert podcast and I'm a fan and something was mentioned about nothing is wasted. So I'm curious in terms of being active now, is there things that you see from the past 50 years that you might be bringing into this space so that it's being, I don't know, recycled, reused, repositioned? We're playing around here with the re-notion. If you're retiring, is there yeah, some recycling of knowledge and skills and relationships and connections that will play a part? Uh, absolutely. Because like I don't as a person I'm you're never finished. So I bring with me the fifty years of experience I have, you know, growing up in Sydney, working in the corporate world, going on adventures with my husband, getting the travel bug and becoming travel obsessed. So all those things I bring with me and take into the world. So I can't see that the things I learned about, you know, delivering a great session on gamification work now in what I'm doing, even to the small point of time boxing my day so that I don't go down a rabbit hole, which one of my friends, she will constantly, she'll get into the, the web and she'll be down a rabbit hole. And, you know, she can do that. She's in the situation where she can do it and she's having a bit of a break. But I, I don't want to do that. So, again, I'm just using things. Like over the years I've followed lots of really smart people like, I don't know, you for a start, oh, Helen. Thank you. <laughs> With your workscape thinking. And then like Mark Manson, even Seth Gooden, Neil Pashy, you know, these people that help you understand how to mindfully live. And that stuff that I've learned, you know, where I was in my 30s, oh, my God, to my 40s, oh, my God, to my 50s, I'm like feeling, okay, I've got a little bit, tiny got there a little bit. Well, let's see when I get to the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, how I've built on that. One of the things that I find amazing when I talked to 20-year-olds, and maybe it's something about the fact that we're two people here in our 50s, is the 20-year-olds, when I ask them about what they think the future might be, they can kind of look maybe 10 or 15 years ahead. And, and in their mind, it's like 40 is just old. You know, that's just can't even contemplate what life might be after 40. Do you have a sense if you were going back and telling your 20-year-old self about looking more broadly than just the 20 years ahead, what you might say? Oh, that's a fascinating question. And that's I, the last person that I worked very closely with in my last role was 21. Right. And so we had lots of conversations. And that now I understand why she couldn't get further than her uni degree. Let's talk to her about that. That is quite interesting. What would I go back? I My 20-year-old self wouldn't have had a clue. My 20-year-old self would have just assumed get married, have babies, live happily ever after. I, my 20-year-old self would no way in the world imagine what I am, what I've done so far and what I looked forward to doing in the rest of my life. No. I think there's something too that, 
the 20 year old versions of ourselves we're talking about is something that was happening in a certain period of time and context of things that are available and when we consider even simple technology changes that in our last 20 or 30 years of work that the internet and web services and things like YouTube and both from the point of view of bringing us content and ideas from around the world but also offering us a place to create and put things out there in a way that didn't require maybe a lot of money from us or a lot of skill. So it's a very different world that we live in now than what we might have tried to contemplate when we were in our 20s. That's a very good point because to me, the world now is just full of potential. You can basically do anything you want to do. doesn't matter. You know, people might tell you you can't, but that's, that's their issue, not yours. I don't think we had those opportunities at 20, but we do absolutely have them now because there's platforms mm. and for whatever you're passionate about. And this is why I think I don't, you know, people think I'm lonely, but I'm not because there's all these people that are doing YouTube or all these people are doing watercolour painting or I'm doing a calligraphy course at the moment and everybody's struggling with the upstrokes the same as I'm struggling with the upstrokes. So I'm part of that community as well and I'm experiencing the same things. And so that's where the world is different and the world is it's quite quite exciting really. Indeed. I was reminded recently about the going back maybe 150 years that maybe our ancestors quite likely lived in a place and didn't travel more than maybe the 20 kilometers beyond that just merely because of public transport or cars or where they were located but then in terms of the things that they might have been across there wouldn't have been as many books in their home there wouldn't have been radio or television bringing in outside views of the world and how in contrast here I am a descendant of people like that and the many things that I have that I can tap into easily on, on you know, flick of the button or the switch. Absolutely. Like, you know, I've, I've heard people say that we read in one day more than most people 50 years ago would have read in their life. Mm. Now, I don't know if that's, that's correct. You know, it could be one of those ones people put out on the web. But that's the difference in our worlds nowadays. And that means we've got access to everything. Indeed. So do you have some advice for people who maybe are coming towards that age that's known as retirement? Is there some things to think about maybe even 10 years out that might prepare you for that transition? What would you say to them? Well, what I'm doing that I think is working for me is I'm being kind to myself. I'm being easy on myself. I am just, you know, learning and letting it go and, and trying different things. So I, I, I think that's a good bit of advice for any stage of life. But with my friends, obviously lots of my friends are ahead of me or behind me, you know, they're all in, the, in this range. And lots of my friends that have struggled with it what we've talked about is thinking about what they really enjoyed doing in their childhood good one mm. and it, it becomes really easy conversation when you're talking with people about yeah well I really liked playing soccer oh I really liked reading oh I really liked building model planes I really liked going down the bush and throwing sticks in the river whatever it was leads people on to what are some of the things they'd like to do and what and because the thing is it's just about 
you know, if you're passionate, you're excited, you're happy, you're contented. Do you have people when they hear that think, yeah, but I don't want to do model planes when I grow up and I wonder whether it's sort of unpacking. Well, but what was it about model planes? That's exactly right. I'm glad you picked up on that point. Thanks for expanding it, Helen. So that's exactly what it is. It might be model planes. And then you talk about, well, what was it in model planes? And it might have been the intricacy of it. It might have been the step-by-step of it. And then from there, see where that relates in all the other things that have happened, all the other skills that you've, you know, things that you've enjoyed or things that empower you or make you feel good. You know, what can you try that leads you down that path? Because it's Mm. all exploring. Indeed. And I think there's something about that exploring nature that there are things that maybe you had their seeds in those moments of childhood that maybe didn't even necessarily get to be germinated. I was listening to one conversation recently, again, it was on an Elizabeth Gilbert podcast about this woman who had loved making jokes and had, you know, people kind of thought, oh, maybe you'd be a comedy writer. But then people actually said, oh, no, no, there's no money in comedy writing, kind of like you need to get real and get a sensible job. And so she went down a path and and it it turned out that she actually ended up getting a PhD, I believe in genocide and something very, very quite dark. And and so there was, yeah, exactly. There was a sense for her like, wow, where was the girl who liked to tell jokes and who kind of maybe thought that comedy writing though, but that wasn't a real job. And I think there's sometimes we have this notion of what's a real job. And so going back to childhood is a great way to think before you had these expectations of a real job, was it that maybe attracted you and maybe it's not that you have to think oh well you know I worked for years as an accountant maybe it's because I love numbers I should keep doing something with numbers it might be well actually maybe there's something else behind that that that, you know I loved being creative and I chose to be creative with numbers but now I can be creative in another way that doesn't have to be about numbers yeah agreed And like one of the other things that I'm thinking of, but I'm purposely not filling up my life until I get a bit more down the path is um, volunteering with um, some of those groups that help people get placed in jobs. So I used to be quite okay at interviewing people. So I thought, well, that's something I can volunteer in where I can coach people to do interviews. Yeah, I think that's a great way to recognize that the skills that you have can still have value to other people, but they don't have to be in a value exchange where I'm doing it for money. Yep, that's exactly right. Make the world a better place. Indeed. Indeed. Well, Catherine, it's been lovely to talk with you about retirement. I think we've possibly inspired people to rethink the concept. Do you have a closing thought for us? I suppose my cl- I have to also say thank you to you for the different ways you've actually made me mindfully think about retirement. So it's been an interesting process. And six months in, I'd like to say I honestly don't miss work at all. <laughs> it's the truth. My head is brimming with lots of new ideas for book reviews in London, San Francisco, and who knows. Um, but at the same time, I'm enjoying the pace of it. So... What I'd like to say is subscribe to my YouTube channel. Brilliant. We will put the link in with the podcast post. Yeah, or find me on LinkedIn using LinkedIn as well. And that way maybe you can enjoy traveling the world through books as well. Indeed. So even if it's a case that you want some of your uh, retirement plans to be vicarious when you can't travel, Catherine's got the answer for you. I do indeed. Catherine, thank you so much for being part of today's conversation. Thank you, Helen.
workscapes are changing everywhere. For more goodness to change your workscape, visit www.beselfunlimited.com 